Welcome back to Dirtbag Cinema, where we cover everything from the Dolby to the drive-in. I'm Rick Teat, here with my two buddies, Stephen King. How's it going? And Scott Decker. What's going on? So this is our 15th episode, boys. How you feeling about the cast so far? Episode 15. That's pretty... It's blazed by. Yeah. Honestly. It's trail blazing. <laughs> it's... Yeah. I. It feels just like uh, yesterday we were doing our... Uh, the our handshake uh, five. Handshake five, yeah. So in honor of... Um, you know, episode 15, we wanted to give you essentially 15, we're going to do 15 answers. So I, we polled um, on our Facebook and social media and other things some listener questions. We wanted to do another round of um, of questions from you guys. We think that's a fun episode. We're going to do five questions and answer each. That will make 15. Um, so before we get into that, we want to talk about... I just thought of a good uh, name for the episode. 15 for 15. You know, like 30 for 30? Okay. Yeah, like ESPN's going to be suing us. Here. No, no. I think, I think it's good. Dirtbag Cinema presents 15 for 15. No, I do like it. Yeah, it's good. I like it. So before we get into that, we'll, we're going to jump into the dailies. Steven, you have anything? Yes, yes, I do. Um, just want to kind of circle back to something we talked about, oh, maybe three or four weeks ago now. Mortal Kombat next week. You know, we had a lot of hype for Zilla and Kong, and now we're kind of cruising into another... Uh, a movie that I think might uh, might surprise a lot of people in a good way. It's got some great reviews so far from what I've been told. It's looking good, and I, that, that R rating, it's got me pumped. I think we're going to have a lot of cool fatalities and things like that. So I'm going to be there next week. Screenland, hopefully we can make it a date. I know we talked about it. There may be, we'll drop a little, uh, I was not a spoiler, but a little tease. We might have a, a guest Creeping on the cast for that episode. We'll very, see what happens. Very scary guest. Very scary. But, uh, yeah, Mortal Kombat, Sub-Zero is my boy. I mean, you guys, just curious, you guys have a favorite uh, character? I'm a Fairweather fan. I'll admit it. I mean, Sub-Zero's dope, but, I mean, who's uh, who's homeboy with the uh, ponytail and the four arms? I like that guy. Goro? Yeah. yeah. He's kind of a tool, but, you know, he's dope. He's got four arms and a fucking uh, ponytail. What else do you want? He's like a scimitar or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, I, I dig it. it Obviously, I think nobody else likes him. I'm, uh, I'm just going to go with how you felt about Kong. You know, there you go, man. His ass beat, so he always gets his arms. Goro had the <laughs> Goro had the coolest fatalities back in the day, man. He'd always just like splinter you in like 50 pieces. And, yeah, uh, they were sweet. But you, Rick, I would have to go with <clears throat> somebody that kind of mirrors my own personality, Johnny Cage. Johnny Cage, yeah, yeah. he's a, he's <laughs> he a winner. Out before I, I knew it, I knew what he was going to say. <laughs> Smooth talking son of a bitch, man. Yeah, and man. he could fight a little bit. I I can't do that. But um, <laughs> no, aren't you, aren't you like two and zero? Oh uh, I am now? undefeated, but I digress. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm. You're right about that. That R rating. There's going to be some sick fatalities. I spoke about it before. I, I love the, uh, the scene in the trailer where, uh, Sub Zero, you know, cuts him. His blood splurts out, and he turns the blood into a spike and stabs him. Man, that's, that's awesome. It's what we so, are here for. It's going to be a good old time. Cool, cool. Hey, all right, round the table. What else we got? I got nothing. I'm unprepared. I should not be on this cast today. If you want to dock my pay, that's fine. Uh, Rick, you want to pick up the slack? Okay, so last week we talked about the supposed blockbuster of the year. I'm going to talk about the real blockbuster of the year. The trailer just popped out. Fast 9. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I saw that trailer as well. And like where like the car like he hooks on the thing like Spider Man swings across that's obnoxious, dude. 
You gotta love <laughs> dumb, stupid, crazy. It's, that's what it's gonna be. It's gonna be insanely bad. It's gonna be really entertaining, and I'm looking forward to it. You know, just another round. Here's the thing: is we need to pit the winner of Godzilla versus Kong. I won't spoil it. I was going <laughs> to say that, but I was going to cut you off. Against, <laughs> no way. Against the superhuman, apparently, family. The, the fast family, because mean. they can't lose. They cannot lose. You can't say family like that. You got to uh, Family. Family. I remember everything about my father. Corona. <laughs> Groot. I was triple X. <laughs> Want to buy some shark buddies? <laughs> Not the fucking shark thing. The buddies. street sharks. Street sharks. Street shark buddies. That you For, forgive me. Forgive me. So oh. I know those movies are terrible and stupid. I'm still going to go watch every one because I'm entertained like that. Um, so, yeah, that's... That's the bit that I got for the for the dailies. There you go. I mean, I'll be there. Uh, and John Cena. Here's the thing. At at this point, it's just what X full time wrestler can we get to fight Vin Diesel? The next one, they're going to be like, I didn't know your dad was Hulk Hogan. This family's even crazy. Seriously, how did they hide this brother for eight movies? Eight movies, and how come he's got hair? And he's just considered. He, Anybody else notice that John Cena's built like a real life Popeye at this point? He's big as shit. <laughs> like he was always big, but he's lost weight, but none of it left his forearms. <laughs> he's just chewing spinach and like smoking on a pipe in the side of this movie. Yeah, we'll see. Out of control. I I can't. I just can't get into him in a serious action role. In the couple comedy roles I've seen him in, maybe just one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved him in. Uh, he's great in Trainwreck. The I will say this: the movie itself was lacking. Every scene that I've seen him comedically, he's great. He's also very good in the cock one, blockers. Cock blockers. That's no. the one. He's hilarious in that movie. Very, very good. And I just can't. I think I'm he's curious be great to see how. Squad. But here's the thing. Oh yeah, he'll look good in that. But he doesn't have to be a good actor to be in F nine. You know, I'm I mean? not disagreeing yeah. with you. I'm just like, He's part of the I know they're in on the joke at this point about how ridiculous this shit is because for years everybody's saying, oh, they're going to end up going to space. And the trailer ends with them in this rocket car <laughs> yep. flying. So I know they're in on the joke, but yeah. I didn't even think about, oh my, they're going to meet Machete up there. <laughs> Very good. This Elon Musk. Boss. Wait, but that'll <laughs> work because Michelle Rodriguez is already in space. We're talking way too much about this shitty movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, we haven't seen it yet, but uh, we're well, color me excited, but also like Fast Furious Nine. Yeah, uh, is there? Ten, is it going to be ten or is it? I've been told nine? that they were ten, but who knows? They There's might do the whole 55. Lord of the Rings, <laughs> Harry Potter. They already are doing the spinoff with the Luke and Hobbs. You're probably going to get a, uh, you know, something on that. You're probably going to get a sequel on that. Who knows? But Maybe, yeah, I, I, that makes sense. But, oof. Enough Fast and Furious talk, I guess. Stephen King. <laughs> All right, so we've got five questions. You know, we did this uh, type of thing earlier on. It's, it's kind of fun to reach out every now and again and, and get some questions from listeners. And you guys didn't disappoint. We had a lot come in, so it's tough to whittle these down. And going forward, I mean, there may be some of these that were on this list that make it into the next time around, too, because there's a lot of good ones. But first up, from our good friends Devin and Danielle Taylor... Uh, they sent over a really good question, and it's a good way to kick it off. If they made a movie about your life, what type of movie would it be, and who would play you? Scott, what do it, you got? It's simple. 
I mean, there's only one way to go with go. this. I think if you, you fucking say Hugh Jackman, <laughs> I should say Arnold. You're both wrong. <laughs> I can see why you would think that, but it's not Hugh Jackman. It's not Arnold Schwarzenegger. All right. My life story. It would be. It would be a comedy. I mean, it has some serious tones here and there, but all throughout, I think it would be a comedy. Maybe a little action in there. But it would be old Jerry Butler. Gerard Butler is going to play me. But here's the, here's the caveat. Here's, is, he's not going to be 300 Jerry Butler. It's not. It's going to be grizzled, possibly drunk, tattooed. <laughs> Den of thieves. Den of thieves, Jerry <laughs> Butler. Okay? That's what I'm talking about. He's going to be recanting his life story, drooling on his beard. You know, he's still looking like a million bucks, but a million Dirty bucks. You know what I'm saying? I like the pick. You like it's pretty good, right? No. Oh uh, yeah. I mean the look is almost spot on. Spot on. Because you know, I can say I look like Jerry Butler all day. People aren't gonna believe me when you pull it up and all you see is uh, his eight pack from three hundred. You pull up a picture of a, a leather jacket, grizzled half beard, combed back hair, him going, Ugh. they're like, Yeah, I can see that. That's not a hard sell. <laughs> I love it. That's pretty good. Yeah, you know, he's chasing down Ice Cube son. <laughs> oh, hey, before I, before I take you to the big house, check out my Criterion collection. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, this reminds me of an old foreign film I watched. You got some time to hear me uh, wax poetically for 15 minutes about what I've been watching? I love it. Good choice. Good choice. Rick, what about you, buddy? All right. So, it's probably going to be a comedy. It, probably a pretty unfunny one for 80% of it. <laughs> right on brand. <laughs> Um, and this is not really a comedic actor, but I've been told that I look like this person Jesus at least 15 Christ. times in my no, entire lifetime, 12 of is. them by strangers. I who is you. it? I think it have to be Chris O'Donnell. Chris O'Donnell. That's the guy. Okay. I thought you were going to go into some bullshit and say that's you were Tom Hardy. No, but close. But that, was my second, <laughs> that was my second choice. But, uh, yeah. Um, you know, I'm still working. He, he's... Maybe not nowadays. He was a pretty slim guy back in his, back in his heyday. Um, I'm still working. I want to fit into that back that Robin costume one of these days. Why would you want? I to? think the Halloween costume would just kill if I could ever fit into that thing. So, the, comedy Chris O'Donnell. All right, Gerard Butler, my sidekick. <laughs> yeah. Gerard Butler is nobody's sidekick. Oh, he, you're my sidekick in my movie. <laughs> Butler bows to no one. <laughs> and like Stephen as you know Dwayne the Rock Johnson in, in, the, in the other supporting clearly, role. Clearly, that's that's my vibe. That may, at he, least he comes in, takes over our franchise, just like he did Fast and Furious. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am. See, th- this one was kind of given away a couple weeks ago, guys. For okay. Me. okay, and I really, I mean, as far as who's going to play me, it's, it's going to have to be the King of Wow. Wow. <laughs> I've always got, especially when the hair was blonde. Um, Owen Wilson. Uh, that's who I think would. What kind of movie is it going to be? Action. Uh, it's going to be a horror movie, right? It's going to wow. be a horror movie. <laughs> it definitely is, and I, I think it would have to. It's going to be something along the lines of um, maybe a guy who maybe has like a name similar to someone famous, and then every time somebody asks him, "Oh, I don't know if." You written any good books lately? Or 
I it's love a your movies. An identity movie. He slowly transforms into this kind of guy who who you can't tell the difference anymore, and he just has a a, a, a he goes into a spiral into a, the gutter of horror films, and <laughs> he can't get out, and his life becomes a literal horror movie. That I mean, I would see that at the midnight premiere. Would, this is a good triple bill. Yeah. That's what it'd be, like, Owen Wilson in a horror movie. I feel like if we had Owen Wilson in a horror movie, Jerry Butler in a comedy, Chris O'Donnell can't have a comedy either. we got to mix yours up. Yours has got to be... If we're going to do a triple bill with us three, got to have, I don't know, what's yours going to be? Like a cop cop thriller. Buddy Isn't cop. that what he, buddy what he was in in, in CIS or something? Oh, yeah. You're with LL? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which he's, they drive a Challenger. In that co- in that movie there or in that go. show, you're home. I, I had one for about a month. You're, you're it was bad. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I me had in one. one. About a month. That's good stuff. I, I definitely want to see those movies. Every single one of them. All right, right, right. That's a good question. I really like. It's actually kind of tough because you think about your life. I mean, it wasn't for me, man. Immediately, I thought of mine. I didn't know if you would go that route with Vince Vaughn again too, because it was pretty spot on. You're not wrong, but Den of Thieves, Jerry Butler, man. Talk about just a snack. <laughs> <laughs> a dirty snack, but damn if he's not a snack. You know, the twist kind of sucked, but I did like that movie. That was oh, awesome. dude. I watched it oh, hey, quarantine. I know we're veering off for a second. I love that movie until that stupid fucking ending. They are making a second one, correct? Yeah, hopefully they shoot him in the face in the first two seconds. Gerard? No. The fucking <laughs> twist. I'm not even going to get into it because we don't have the time. What's the next question, Steve? What we got? <laughs> next question on the list from our buddy Kurt Lane. We got a movie soundtrack that is basically like its own character in the film. So something that's kind of so definitive that if you took it out of the movie, it would just feel like it's missing a key player. Scott, you want to leave this one? Uh, I will. But I can, can I put a caveat in there? Sure. Uh, I'm going to look at both of you and say no QT movies. Fair enough. All right. I don't have one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm sorry. Because well, you're I, taking it, all of them. With yeah, your it's, not, it's, it's, not, it's not fair. We can't do QT because that is a cop out. Every single one of his movies, you take the music out, you don't have a movie. But um actually builds the playlist before he writes. Yeah. Which is super it's cool. So cool. I mean, you don't have any none of his movies would work if he didn't have the music. But I mean, I'm gonna go simple. I'm sorry, guys. Uh Halloween. If you don't have Carpenter's music, you don't have and that's the same with his films across the board too. Right. If you don't have Carpenter music, you don't have a Carpenter movie. And of all of his spectacular there are even some of his movies I don't particularly like. That have great music. But uh, I know it's an easy one. It's kind of a cop-out, but it's got to be Halloween. Well, some of the coolest, the like the Lost Themes albums yeah. that he's put out, it's just, even stuff that didn't even make it into movies. He's a brilliant, brilliant musician. He I love his stuff. Uglier than just a bag of dimes, but God, he's pretty talented. <laughs> Hateful. <laughs> Oh, you didn't steal mine. I really thought that you were going to steal mine. Okay, okay. Well, I said no QT. I figured that was probably no, the no, first no, one no, no. Um, so I have a question. And, okay, I'm going to pose another caveat here. Not really caveat, but well, um, pretty much for Steven because I've already done mine. <laughs> no, um, Kurt's suggestion was soundtrack. I really only have. It's really one song that really 
punches this question home for me. Okay. When you th- hear this song, which movie do you think of? Kiss from a Rose. Ba-da-da. Okay, I think of a TV spot from 1995. Okay, I knew you would blow this freaking question. <laughs> I don't know why I asked it. Because <laughs> only one soundtrack is forever. Baby! <laughs> But they also have uh, U2 and a whole bunch of... That, that's a great soundtrack. <clears throat> and all you need is Kiss it's, it's been a while since I've since I've watched that movie, but that's that's immediately the first movie that I go to whenever I hear that. Yeah. So that... Yeah, fucking good. <laughs> yeah. It's real good. I, I really thought you were going to snag that one, but that's that's my answer. And just, what, it was, what was the movie again? Just Batman like, Forever. Batman Forever. Which okay, so featuring make sure we, Chris O'Donnell. Chris featuring O'Donnell. There you go. Chris O'Donnell. Well, mine um, kind of follows suit with Scott's. I, that was honestly the first thing that popped into my head and kind of just need your reflex is Halloween. And, and a lot of the movies kind of similar to that need those those soundtracks. And this one followed in Carpenter's footsteps. It follows. The soundtrack to It Follows, D- Disaster Piece did, if not their best work, some of their best work for sure on that movie. And it's very much in the vein of Carpenter. That whole movie's very Carpenter-esque, and man, you, you want to talk about like a killer synth score. Yeah. That is like primo, top-tier stuff. Um, you know, even if you don't watch, if you haven't watched the movie and you just throw on the soundtrack, you're like, you, you're looking over your shoulder because it feels like you're being stalked by the music the whole time. So there's a ton of movies that we could go with on this. There's a lot of, like you said, QT, um, and um, we could make a whole episode yeah. on this question. One, I, I was just watching last night, I know we talked off Mike Phantasm. Yeah. I watched it for the first time, and Ariel looks over me, she's like, this music's really good. And I go, yeah, 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 I know. It's a year after Halloween came out, but it's very Carpenter, synthy stuff, and it was killer. I loved it. Right, right. So this question comes from Adrian Hackenberg, um, and I thought it was so good. I didn't want to tell you guys ahead of time. I figured I'd just, you know, let it pop into your brains. Oh what is the best kill slash death in a horror film? Oh, my God. What kind of bullshit? Would, it, would you like me to read his answer while you guys can ponder? I'll uh, give you his answer real quick. Okay. I, mean, I don't know this Mr. Hackenberg, but... No, he's, he's a big horror junkie. He's, yeah. So his answer was, uh, I'm going to have to go with Slither... When the alien slices the front of the dude and splits him in half vertically. I've not seen this film. First off, you love Slither. It's great. Okay. Well, it's something we like. How about that? Uh, that's a good pick. It's a, it's, a, it's an obscure pick. Not a lot of people know about Slither. That's really good. But I'm glad that Steven's up first and not me because I don't know. It's tough. Um, I Shit. I think... <laughs> Well, the first there's some obviously you know you you're gonna answer this question and I mean it's hard to commit. What is your favorite? I don't. I may have said best earlier. What is your favorite? That's that's almost yeah. Because I was thinking like technically and stuff like that. What people pulled off like, um, <laughs> man, I'm. Do you want me to? I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead. I'll go ahead and go so you guys can. Yeah. Okay, you guys oh. can think. I watched this movie last night um, on a whim at midnight last night because I saw it on Netflix and uh, this this kill still. I love it. Jason X. Oh, not- <laughs> oh yeah. No, I so, was going to say that. Uh, not anymore. Oh, so, so, yeah, he, he wakes up from the, the cryogenic BS, and uh, 
um, the, the girl that's in the room, he ends up grabbing her and shoving her face in the liquid nitrogen and it freezes it in like two seconds. And then he picks her up out of it and you see her frozen face and he smashes it on the table and it busts up. That is such a great kill. Okay, that's not mine. I thought you were going to say the uh, the girls in the sleeping bags. Oh, no. Okay, okay. You great one too. some premarital sex <laughs> and he puts in the sleeping bag and just, uh, that's not my pick. It's not my pick. Say what you want about that movie. It, it it had some good kills. It's fun. It's going to be playing its Greenland armor soon. I'll probably be seeing that on the big screen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, well, the first thing that popped into my head, because I had just recently, like, for some reason, this scene had popped up on social media or something. I'd, I'd seen it. So I'll just go with this for now. Um, Hellraiser. I love that kill at the end, you know, it, when he's all hooked up and they just pull him apart. It, it's it's practically speaking, practical effects, it, that, that's an outstanding kill. And that whole movie is loaded with lots of really good good uh, practical effects. But, uh, yeah, I'll just go with that for now. Um, like I said, we can sit here and talk about, oh, the, like the lasting impact of certain kills and this, that, and the other. But Hellraiser's got a really good one that splits his whole fucking body apart with the, the chains and the hooks. Son of a... Really thought you were going to prattle on for half an hour on something. Uh, I I concur. Uh, Hellraiser is great. I watched that the other night. Honestly, for the first time all the way through, very effective. Absolutely. That entire movie is about a woman coming back to life to get uh, some ass. That whole movie. It's wild. Nobody talks about that. It's all about Pinhead. No, it's literally about her coming back and trying to get some D. It's the wildest damn thing. (laughs) But I digress. I for me I was I was kind of thinking comedically like what my favorite kill would be just from satisfaction point uh-huh. and you and I saw this at the end of last was it end of last year that doesn't sound right that's COVID times we saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre together right and granted we've seen that movie a hundred times but every time <laughs> that Franklin bites the dust you just think when he gets that chainsaw straight to I'd say. Just right to the gut? Pretty much. Yeah. Just gut shots. And him. just, first off, Franklin is one of the most unbearable characters in all of cinema. Uh, can't stand him. So when you see <laughs> Leatherface come at him in the middle of the night and you see the smoke coming out of the chainsaw and everything, and he just, I hate to, people who have not seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Franklin's in a wheelchair. So you kind of feel like he's uh, he's getting the short shrift here. No, you want him to die. Franklin sucks. Leatherface, you know, brings the damn thing up in the air and just and brings it down into his uh, sitting position. So and right good. there in front of Sally too, like Sally. It's, it's just yeah. if he would have said, "How would so good push?" <laughs> yeah, the whole movie's just nag, nag, bitch, 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 and then finally Leatherface puts him to sleep. Good stuff. Um. There's so many. I, I the chestburster and the thing both just, popped into my head too. Oh, I mean for sure. It's Everything just so hard. In like, the thing, is, the thing is loaded, man. And I, 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 it's so hard. I don't know why. The and maybe it's just because I hate Franklin so much that just when he finally bites the dust, it's just memorable. Right? Yep. Yep. I think the theater like abrupted in some sort of applause. Yeah. Yeah. When Franklin finally ate it, so it may not be. I'm really pissed that you brought us this without even <laughs> giving us a tough. little bit of a... Uh, it's worked out better than even I expected, keeping you in the dark. Oh, man. The one I need to see, and it, maybe it would vault over the one that I've chosen. I haven't seen The Terrifier, but I hear that there's a that too, incredible... Man. I'm not yeah. watching that damn movie. That, that thing is... It's a brutal kill. I thought yeah. you were going to come in with Zombie. 
Yeah, I, I see. I yeah, were, I don't know. It's just the first thing that popped in my head because I'd recently seen. Uh, but yeah, zombie. That that's a great kill. Now um, I feel really bad for mine. Like I don't know. I feel like no do overs. What's the next question? That is, <laughs> <laughs> that's almost like a top five question. That is. I mean, what, Friday the Thirteenth, the Kevin Bacon kill. Yeah, that yeah. One always sticks sticks out. <laughs> oh, oh, pretty good. But no, Frank, did, like, cover, like, Franklin. Franklin. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fuck Franklin. Dirtbag Cinema. New T-shirt. New T-shirt. I, I think everybody can agree with fuck Franklin, though. It's true. I like Franklin. It's the only like it. You gotta agree with me on this. You put him on paper as a sympathetic character. He. Is uh, you know going on this little trip with his family? He is disabled. He cannot walk. And right. you're like, this is the guy who should make it to the end. Right. The first time he opens his mouth, you want him to die. Hey, half a second, it's all right. But then <laughs> he's in there talking about like meat processing and stuff. And then oh know, yeah, had a, yeah. It, as soon Daddy. as he has to like pull over to piss, it's just uh, yeah. Man, this guy. Yeah, I stick with my uh, stick with my answer. Fuck Franklin. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> So, next up, it is from Chris Bryant, who fired off a lot of really good questions, uh, but this one... We appreciate all the suggestions. Yeah, for sure. A movie that you would like to see a sequel made. It's a it's another one that... that... This one was hard. I'll, I'll go ahead and go. Okay. Um, I, I was hesitant in answering with this answer, because... <laughs> If Anchorman 2 and Zoolander 2 has taught me anything, when you try to make a sequel of a movie that's, you know, not two or three years down the line, you wait a decade, it's usually disastrous. But given the cast and given how much I love the movie, I would love a Tropic Thunder sequel. Ooh. I don't know what they would do, but... If you're going to give me Downey Jr. and and Tom Cruise as Les Grossman, I think for a while they actually talked about doing a solo Les Grossman movie. I think that, you're right. That's going to the well too much. Like he, I no, he's he's better as a supporting guy. I agree. I don't think that he would yeah. carry a whole movie. Right. But <laughs> just, I think that would be. I, I would see it for sure. I would see it. I would say if they're going to follow like in like the vein of like the war movie type thing, yeah. you got to go backwards though. Right, like a civil war or a revolutionary oh type God. thing. That would be oh, hilarious. No, because I don't think they could pull that off. You don't think so? They, they already, years later, they're under uh, scrutiny for Robert Downey Jr.'s blackface from Tropic Thunder. They go to the Civil War, Stephen. That movie will never get made. I, I saw his interview on Rogan where he's like, "We could never do this again." And but he's right. at the same time, um, he could just be. Just link it, or just not let Lincoln him Cyrus. He could just be Kirk Lazarus. Yeah, I thought he was Lincoln. He's going to be Lincoln. He's going to be Daniel Day Lewis. Lincoln Osiris is <laughs> actually <laughs> Abraham Lincoln Osiris. Oh man, um, no, that would be a lot of fun. Can you imagine those boys like fuddling, fuddling around with muskets? <laughs> Damn musket! Fucking nothing, man. They're jelly beans. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good. It's Damn. considered a compliment, <laughs> Scott. I can go. Uh, yeah, I got, right, I got, I got, I got one. Man. So this one isn't a direct. It's not a direct sequel to the original, but this movie needs. I think needs to be made, and it's set up perfectly. And it's going to be a sequel to Twenty Eight Weeks Later, because I love both of those movies. Most right. I, I was, you know, Twenty Eight Weeks. You're following up a killer movie with Twenty Eight Days. That's one of my favorite movies. Um, and they did a great job. 
And they left that thing. I mean, people will kind of joke with like 28 months later, you know, be like a crazy title. But I think, I mean, you got a couple years. That's perfect. And you've, you've got that, you know, ending shot. I won't say what it is, but you're completely left where the story does continue. You can, I mean, there's, you're left in the dark. It's not 28 years later. That would make sense. 28, 28 28 months later. Like, that's not, yeah. Yeah. A couple years. I would see why that's a joke. That's actually. Perfect. Yeah, I, I agree. I think and it needs to needs to happen. And I, I did for a while there think it was kind of in the works, but that thing fizzled out. And we need to finish that story because, my God, we talk about good kills, man. First time you see in uh, 28 days and weeks both it happens, when you get the thumbs of the eyes, man, ugh. Uh, no. That's that signature move. 28 weeks is pretty hard. The old Ric Flair. The the eyeball behind the the, the plywood or whatever. Oh, that's one of the craziest opening sequences. Oh, man. That one's great, man. Yeah. I just remember, like, in the... When we still got, like, an actual physical paper on Sunday. Yeah. I remember, like, reading the review of it, and they just had that little snippet where that eye was looking through the little hole. So, like, I knew it was coming. As soon as the, the the camera pans up to the wall, and I'm like, okay, it's coming, it's coming. Still got me. It absolutely, and like she pulls her arm. It sounds like a like an apple when he bites into it. It's oh like, yeah, it's disgusting, and just it's it's gas right out of the gate the whole time. It doesn't it doesn't let you settle in at all, and from there on, it just is go go go. And that was one of the things I kind of loved about that movie too. Is like you, it was it kind of explored the outbreak that you didn't see. In the first one, a lot of a lot of uh, post-apocalyptic or zombie movies pick up after the shit's already gone down, and you just kind of want to explore that world. But seeing it happen in real time is something that not a lot of uh, zombie or you know, post-apocalyptic movies do. And when you do it and do it right, that's God. Just the intensity and the craziness of everything. Just people just scrambling and running and raw chaos. So let's get that twenty-eight months later, Scott. What do you got? I'm in. Those are both. Very good answers. And I, the whole time I was still listening, I'm just looking over at your show. Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> just like, what can I think of? What can I think of? And I was looking, I see the thing, right? And I'm thinking, oh, I don't want that. I don't want that. It's standalone, right? Then I was thinking Carpenter. Mm-hmm. I was thinking Kurt Russell. Right. And I was thinking I need a, <laughs> I need a sequel to Big Trouble in Little China. I was thinking I need a sequel to Big Trouble in Little China. Okay. But let's not do Kung Fu this time. Let's not do that. Let's put him in the West. Not Bone Tomahawk West, because he already did that. But, like, let's just bring Jack Burton into it. Like, because he was already doing a John Wayne impersonation the whole damn movie anyway, right? And I got to say, for something I just came up with, it sounded real good to me. (laughs) <laughs> Carpenter always wanted to direct a true Western, right? He kind of did that with Assault on Precinct 13. He kind of did that with Vampires. But he was always piddle-assing around with a different genre. Let him do an, a Western, a straight Western. Jack Burton has retired from driving the Pork Chop Express. He's he's just out to retire. And I don't know, maybe these... Um, I don't know, wizards or whatever, kind of follow him to the Old West. Maybe it could be a, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> mid-genre. It could be, you know, the uh, the Kung Fu and everything in the West. Maybe everything just follows him out to 
Texas or Arizona or wherever. I love it. I'm, I'm already a little bit in. of the, the the dark tower vein a little bit. Like let's that. not no yeah. let's not do that because that sounds terrible. That's exactly what <laughs> you're describing. No, you're describing the, wizards in the west. Yeah, I'm describing the all right, all right. He just comes back. No, not it, that movie. That, not that, the, yeah, that yeah. world. That I, world. I love yeah. that. I think that would be great. And uh, while I was talking, Rick actually had a better one than me. <laughs> But no, we should definitely uh, get a hold of Mr. Carpenter. I think he'd be all on board. And so would Kurt. I mean, he's he's just Jack Burton anyway. I mean, that's him in real life. Just plug and play. Plug and play. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, do, do you want to introduce do I, that? Do I just... <laughs> because I, I just watched uh, Machete Kills a couple days ago. Yeah, yeah. And they promised Machete in Space. Machete in Space. Me and you watched that together at uh, that old... Alamo. North Glen, I believe it was North Glen at the time. We saw him with the original Machete oh, at yeah. Alamo. Alamo, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd love a Machete in Space. They even have a bit on it at the very end of Machete Kills, right? The whole movie, no, in the beginning, they have a trailer for Machete in Space. Oh, that's been a minute since I've seen it. Because I, I watched it two days ago. Who wouldn't uh, want J- Danny Trejo in space? In it's a beautiful space. idea. But everybody hated the second one, except for me and you and three people. It was incredible. You know, I because I have a thing where after I watch a movie, to see what, you know, kind of get a mass consensus, I'll read, like, user reviews and, like, bigger reviews and everything. Everybody is like, it was just too unbelievable. I'm like, it's, did you see the first one? Did you not know what you are getting into? They're like, even with, with the first one being how crazy it is, the second one's just, it's too wild. It's too wild. I'm like... You shouldn't be allowed to write reviews. Those words shouldn't be put together. He cleans out a house of dudes with guns with a machete uh, right off the bat in the first one. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to say something on the air that I am ashamed to admit. Did you know that Machete is a carryover character from a different franchise? Spy Kids. Spy Kids. He's Uncle Machete in those movies. I hadn't the foggiest idea until I was looking at trivia. Well, that Rodriguez directing that it always sneaks up on me. Like I, I know it, but every time I see it listed in his filmography, I'm like, oh yeah, he, yeah, Spy Kids. <laughs> so Machete came from Spy Kids, and for those of you that didn't know that, you're very welcome. Uh, blew my mind. He said in an interview. These movies are what he is doing when he's not babysitting the kids in Spy Kids. I think we needed his character in Machete in Spy Kids. That would have been incredible. <laughs> not he's babysitting the kids yeah. and he's just, you know, slinging that machete. Okay. That sounds terrible. Let's kill all the kids. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to take anything away from this episode, fuck Franklin. And apparently you want a R-rated kids movie with a lot of blood. <laughs> we'll just uh, ask the last... 20 seconds of this podcast out, <laughs> Steve. We're good. Sounds good. Well, we got one more? We got one more. What do you think the... Okay, let's preface this. So we were hit with, uh, you know, maybe the, the prompt to open up a little bit outside of the the action and the horror and all the blood and the guts. So we got a question in from one of our, one of our female listeners, and I think we should try to tackle it. Um... Best on-screen romance. This is from Sam, correct? Mm-hmm. Sam Nielsen. Sam, Sam Nielsen. Nielsen. We appreciate you. This is another one that's could be almost as tough as the on-screen kill. You know, there's a lot of good ones. But who wants to kick this one off? Rick does. Uh, I'm looking at you, Scott. I'll kick it off if you guys want a little time. I got also my... that. All right. So for me, this one actually wasn't that hard because this is my favorite for sure. This is Jesse and Celine from Linklater's Before Trilogy. I've never seen anything quite as genuine. You know, there's a lot of iconic couples, 
But these two, the chemistry in that movie, those three films, I mean, if I had to pick one, I might have to say before Sunset... Before Sunset might be my favorite. Midnight is raw, honest. They're all great, man. But those three, and the fact that they carried it across three movies, it didn't lose a step. Three decades. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Three decades and 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 didn't lose a step. Only got better. The chemistry only improved. And I don't know of anybody else uh, or any other couple that's been on screen that uh, has done that You know, for me. And so it's going to be Jesse and Celine. I'm surprised you didn't say true romance. It's a good one, man, but I think that those two are just uh, tough. I'm to glad be. you picked what you picked and didn't say true romance. Foreshadowing? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, Rick, you seem pretty uh, pretty ready for no, yours. I had something typed out, and I think I've changed my mind. Does this have to be over one movie, or can it be over several? He, Mine was he, over three. His was over three. It's, uh, it's just the couple in general, okay, I guess. Okay. How about... Uh, oh... Peter Parker and Mary Jane. Oh, I called it. I knew it. There you go. <laughs> uh, you know they they start off as 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 high school kids, and Peter Parker obviously is is being kind of creepy, and <laughs> staring at her all the time because they're next door neighbors, and 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 she's seeing who is it? Flash. Oh yeah. And, you know the big buff football player Flash, and and you know he's always had a thing for her, and then the second movie, she's seeing a different man she's engaged and you know they eventually come together at the end she finds out he's spider-man and you know he's i i can't do you know i can't put you in harm's way i can't have i can't have that there because if they know who i am they'll come after you and she says you know something along the lines of don't you respect me enough to to make let me make that decision myself and and you know they go into the third movie and there's some turbulence there and 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 they end up kind of Getting back together at the end, they have a nice little dance, and who knows what we could have gotten in the fourth movie, which is such a damn shame. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 Shakespearean. I loved it. <laughs> Shakespearean. Toby McGuire and Kirsten Dunst. That's a power couple if I've ever seen one. MTV's best kiss. It that upside down kiss. iconic spider kiss. It's not what you hang your laurels on, the MTV Music Awards. Don't be shitting on my pick, man. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I would if I didn't have, like, four picks. It's... It's a goddamn... Oh, dang it. <laughs> Nobody heard that on the... Uh... <laughs> Damn it. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the one that I thought of right when you asked the question. There you go. And I'm going to cop out and say Noah Calhoun and his girl, Allie, from The Notebook. I'm going to do it. Uh, all right? Softball. It's not a softball. Uh, yeah. Okay. You said Spider-Man. <laughs> Go ahead. In its roots, that movie is a love story, not a superhero film. And even through <laughs> wars and other dudes and Alzheimer's, Noah's just a good guy in love with his girl. Sounds like Peter Parker to me. Did Mary Jane get Alzheimer's? I hope so. She we would have a, found out in the fourth she movie. We would have found tri- out. <laughs> she, was, <laughs> she was so trifling. Harry? But, <laughs> is that you? Strawberries. Oh, man. No, I mean, obviously the notebook has its flaws, but at its core, I I mean. It is a great romance movie. If he comes down, yeah. Great movie? Eh. It's, but when it comes down to when those two are on screen together, 
I will say, though, and this is something, you got to take up arms for James Marsden, man. That poor guy is always the side piece. If you look at it, his entire, shit, my bad. His entire filmography, he gets a script and they're like, James, we really loved you in this. Can you be another side piece in this? Because you did it really good in every single X-Men movie. You did it really good in The Notebook and every other movie you've ever been in. You're real good to look at, but you're, you're, you're no Ryan Gosling. You're no Hugh Jackman. But you're a really good filler until those guys come back into the motion picture. Are you good with that? Oh, well, yeah, I guess I've done pretty well over my career. It keeps the lights on, right? Keeps the lights on. But uh, I digress. The Notebook. Allie and Noah. They did deliver one of the most honest moments as far as like on-screen romance when you just can't get an answer. What do you want? The, yeah. Been there. What do you want to eat? Right. What do you want? What do you want? But if you're talking about the upside-down kiss, I will agree. It's spectacular. But if you're going to talk about how rain accentuates romance in a kiss on the dock... That kiss, Rick, I know you're shaking. I was about to call it a cop-out, but I'm pretty sure it's raining in the Spider-Man scene as well. That's why I was, I was trying to be like, I was roping you in there, buddy. He, Parker's drowning at this point. He's yeah. Oh, <laughs> 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 no. uh, so good. Uh, but rain always makes, you know, that kiss a little, a little more special. Yeah. And you know, it never works out like that. Like... Uh, you're walking in, you know, with your uh, special lady. You got groceries. It starts raining. Nobody's dropping the groceries to make out. They're like, it's cold. Yeah. <laughs> we got to get inside. But babe, it's romantic. Yeah, it's cold. Hey, cold. My, my dockers are getting wet, babe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I know it's a cop out, but that's my answer. Great answer. Thank you. Right on. That's five. That is five. That's, five? that's fifteen answers around the horn. It's pretty good. I love this. So we want to appreciate again. Just we appreciate all of the suggestions. Right. Um, we're always striving to get better. Um, you know, if you guys have any more suggestions, uh, questions, anything that we can do to improve, anything you'd like us to talk about, please let us know because we want to have our own spin and our own flavor on this on this thing that we do every week. But we also want to give you guys stuff that you want to listen to. So please give us that feedback, whether it's negative, positive, whatever. Yeah. yeah. We, we- Absolutely. We want as much of your guys' input as we can handle. We want all the questions. We like these free-form uh, episodes. We hope you do, too. I think they're a pretty big hit when they come out, and we want to hear what you want to hear. Exactly. You know? Well, this week we're doing, I mean, you maybe have noticed, normally we kind of start off our episode with a little bit of what has been on our radar as far as what we watched this week. We are trying something out. We're going to move this segment back um, to the tail end of the, uh, well, what would be a review or the meat of the episode and kind of coast out with that and just see what, see if it works. Let us like to, to their point, this works better. Just kind of maybe let us know because we're trying to kind of perfect the, uh, the flow here. So let's go ahead and cap off the episode maybe with a few, um, New recommendations for the week. A few recommendations? All right. I, uh, as you can see from my notes, Rick, I watched a whole bunch of stuff this week, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to go long. I'm going to pick, uh, three that I think everybody needs to check out and we'll go with that. I started off, I, uh, watched a little, uh, Netflix original. It's a documentary called Keith Richards under the influence. Have you guys seen this? No. Who I plays Keith? Is it? <laughs> Keith plays Keith. <laughs> 
was getting ready to say it was uh, Jack Sparrow's dad. You're my way, boy. Okay. And that, I was actually going to say, I know that you're not the biggest Stones fan like I am. Like I don't hate them. But I, I'm yeah. saying, I, I know, like, I'm a super fan. Mm-hmm. And I, but I'm saying, of all people, you need to watch this because Keith Richards in real life is Jack Sparrow's dad. That's how he talks. <laughs> the whole movie is just him going, <laughs> and cracking jokes. The whole thing is just him talking about, honestly, the influences on his musical career, how the trajectory of the Stones starting off is like being a blues band to try to get people interested in the blues. And how the experimentation and everything led them to be, you know, I will say it, the greatest rock and roll band of all time. And everything onto his solo projects and everything. So if you love the Stones, if you like Keith Richards, if you just like music, all kinds. He goes from uh, folk music, rock music, blues. Uh, he gets down in Jamaica. He lived there for years. He's doing Rasta stuff. It's an extraordinary look at an artist, a person, and music. It's all of that role. And his special charm of just being the coolest man that ever lived. Like he, at this point, is he looks like a leather bag. That's the thing, He's smoking yeah. a cigarette and he's great. He just, like, I've seen so many different things throughout the years of like how Keith Richards is just like immortal. Like this guy just keeps going and going and going. It's Never stop, don't stop. Don't he's, he's a very, very cool guy. Uh, you want me to go through mine or are we going to go back and forth? I suppose you can go ahead and... Yeah. All right, I'll, I'll do my other two pretty quick. Yeah. I watched, uh, finally watched my Criterion edition of Clute. Yeah. yeah from uh, 1971, the Alan Pakula, one of the uh, three he did back-to-back, uh, called like the Paranoid Trilogy with the Parallax View and all the President's Men. This one's a banger, Stephen. Did you watch it yet? I have not watched this one well, yet. Well, I would say when I leave, watch it, because it's spectacular. Uh, Gordon Willis shot it. You know, the Prince of Darkness, you know, who did uh, Godfather and so on. Like, he's also, he's known for making really dark films. Not in the sense of, uh, you know, what's going on, but they look real dark. There's not a lot of light. You can't see shit in them? <laughs> he, he really makes it work, all right? But uh, this one follows uh, Donald Sutherland as the uh, title character, Mr. Uh, John Clute. Mm-hmm. And he's sent off, uh, a friend of his has disappeared. And there's a murder mystery, and he has to... Originally, he goes to um, a 1971, after her hippy-dippy stuff, Miss Jane Fonda, who plays a call girl who's having kind of like a midlife crisis. She's trying to figure out what she wants to do with her life. She likes her job with the freedom it gives her and everything, but she's trying to be a legitimate actress and stuff. And this is where people realize that she wasn't just uh, a cute face. She was an actress. She won Best uh, Actress for this. It was very good. It could have been played a lot uh, a lot sleazier, but it gives her a lot of uh, humanity. It's a really fun character study. And I, you know I love my uh, early 70s stuff. For sure. You like Donald Sutherland, Jane Fonda, Murder Mystery, Gordon Willis shooting it. It's great. Sutherland hanged on in this one? No, <laughs> no. he's notorious for that. I'm just curious. It was weird because, like, you expect a big performance out of him, and he's not. He's restrained. They give the acting chops. They give the meat of the story. Like, it was weird because the movie's called Clute. It's not about him. It's Jane Fonda and then Donald Sutherland. Sweet. It's not his movie. 
He's just there, and he's very restrained. He's very proper and polite, and the yin and yang between these two characters is what it's about. Like, you know right out the gate who the bad guy is. They don't hide it, and I thought that was a very big thing because, you know, there's all these scenes where people are peering in, and there's a lot. There's paranoia in it, but you as the viewer see what's going on, so it's really not paranoia because it's justified, and... Like I said, the two characters like coming together, it's almost a love story, too. Like, and that was the weird thing about this. I almost said this, but it's kind of a cop back because I just watched it. It's just fresh in my memory. Yeah. But it's very, very good. You'll, you'll dig it 100%. Cool. And this one, oh man, this one absolutely knocked my socks off. I heard our good friend, Mr. Keith Bowen, mm-hmm. years ago, offhandedly mention this to me as a. Really funny movie. And I was like, okay, I had never heard of it. And like, no surprise, like some of the <laughs> stuff he told me to go check out, I'd never heard of, right? But I, I got my hands on the uh, Scream Factory Select, Shout Factory, Shout Select, <laughs> Shout Select uh, Midnight Run, 1988, Bobby De Niro, Charles Grodin, and just the best supporting cast you could ever ask for in a Martin Brest comedy. So, uh, Bobby De Niro plays a, um, oh, what do they call He's a bounty hunter. And he is like an ex-cop, and he's just trying to make a living. He's not too terribly good at it, from what you can tell. But, you know, he he's doing the right thing. He's trying to be an honest guy. And he gets a chance to make a big score in uh, going to apprehend Charles Grodin character, who uh, embezzled a whole bunch of money from a gangster. It sets up this perfect, like, odd couple scenario. Charles Grodin, who I don't know much of, except for he was in the Beethoven movies, you know, the big dog movies. Oh, yeah. You think, okay, this guy, half the movie he spent handcuffed to Bobby De Niro, the greatest living actor of all time, right? We've established this. It's going to be hard to keep up with him. So he gets there, (laughs) and the whole movie is these two guys, and he's trying to get the bad guy, right, who you immediately fall in love with. He's humorous. He's always jawing on uh, De Niro about smoking, his diet and stuff. He's a nag. And they become this, like, odd couple scenario, right? And, you know, obviously they got to become friends and the movie wouldn't make sense, right? <laughs> but the best part is he's only got so much time before, you know, the bail bondsman who's a, jo- a Joey Pantoliano in an early uh, role who's killer, right? Everybody in this movie is dialed up to a 10. You have the feds who are after this guy because they're trying to bring down the mafia ring who he was taking down. I forgot to mention, he only embezzled this money to give it to charity. The, the bad guy has a sweetheart. A little Robin Hood, huh? Exactly. So, the mafia led by an extraordinary uh, Dennis Farina, who kind of went on to do the exact same role in Get Shorty, right? Every time that they're trying to kill him and Bobby De Niro gets away, he's getting amped up, right? Yafet Kodo, who just passed away, rest in peace, King, plays an FBI uh, guy who every time they get away, he's getting amped up. So by the end of this movie, you have all these people dialed up to 11 who are just trying to get Robert De Niro, who turns out to be a spectacular bounty hunter. You have another bounty hunter who's trying to cash in on the bounty. Joey Pants is losing his mind. You have all these people just trying to get it done. And the whole time, it's hilarious. It's endearing. It's heartwarming. And it's just a winner, man. I'm going to check this one out again here pretty soon. It's tight. Midnight Run, 1988. And pristine, pristine Bobby De Niro. Like, man, hubba hubba. Good stuff. 
First off, uh, shout out Keith Bowen for failing me in film history class, the sequel, because halfway through the year, he decided, uh, after telling us we didn't have to do any work, psych, you do have to do work, and you have to do papers on every movie that we have watched from three months ago. Um, truth be told, you're still one of my favorite teachers. I enjoyed every one of your classes. Hopefully you still listen to uh, well, <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. this segment was for not. We're dwindling at this point. But <laughs> so, several weeks ago, we did a TV episode, and I came on here and said that the first season of Westworld was my favorite. Well, what I thought was the best single season of television I watched, and you countered <laughs> with True Detective season one. You should check that out. And so I finally. Last week, I decided to re-up on my um, HBO Max subscription because I wanted to re-watch Kong. I wanted to go in and fresh. And I decided, since I haven't, I might as well sit down and check out this true detective. And I think I may have texted you um, before I watched the final episode. And I said, as long as the plane lands safely, not safely, but as long as the plane lands, I'm ready to to give it the title. And and I it, it did it. I love that. I love that show, man. And everybody's told me not to check out two and three. Maybe not check it out, but don't go in it with near as high as expectations. That's right. But um, McConaughey was incredible in it. And it was it was weird to see him as the quote unquote weird one of the two. Uh-huh. But I, maybe Scott said the roles were supposed to they be switched. Were, and yeah, yeah. McConaughey was initially initially was going to be cast as Marty. As and that's Marty. what they approached him with. And he was like, I'll do this if I can play rust. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it, it would have, I think it worked out a million times better than it would have hundred percent that other way. But you know, Woody, Woody deserves his flowers too. He was great oh. in it as well. What do you think about his hair? I mean, it didn't look terrible to me. Like it just threw me for a loop. Cause you know better. So like in the first episode, you're like, no, you know better. Now, I have this weird thing. Like, I hate seeing people when they smoke. Like, it just makes me cringe. And every time that every time McConaughey's on scene, he's like lighting up another one, and it just kind of like gives me the heebie-jeebies. But that's, I mean, it's a personal complaint, I guess. But um, no, that's Never smoke another cigar around you. Cigars don't bother me. Oh, really? It, they really don't bother me. I don't know what it is. Um, but yeah, I was going going into that eighth episode. I was sad that it was over because it was it was really incredible. And you said I I texted you before going into the fourth episode because you told me ahead of time. You let me know before you go in, and they have that single shot at the end of the at the end of the episode, which is incredible. Um, uh, yeah, I'm not sure how many takes they had to do to get that right, right. but my god, you have to reset literally like helicopters and about fifty yeah. people and. I can't imagine. Yeah. I cannot imagine the work that went into that. And I'm glad that this was – you brought this up. I, and I didn't really try to say a whole lot when you were watching. I just kind of was like giving you like mm-hmm. shorter response because I just wanted to like let you let you experience it and not put in my two cents on that stuff. But I just don't – those two characters work so well together. The chemistry is it's, – it's lightning in a bottle. I think I said that on the TV episode. But those guys, you just don't find it. What was great, there was so much tension between the two because – I feel like Marty wanted to make, not make him his friend, but kind of, you know, have a little bit of comfort, comfortability there. Yeah. And McConaughey was, excuse me, uh, Rust, he was always so to himself, standoffish, you know, f- from everything that's happened to him, you know, his, his wife divorcing him after his child had gotten hit by a car, 
Uh, Something along those Yeah, she, she, yeah, she's daughter yeah. passed. So yeah, I mean, he was he was kind of a shell. You know, you couldn't really get inside. And they had several moments of extreme tension. I mean, they do a fist fight at one point. <laughs> um, yeah. Nice hook, Marty. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and the some of the dialogue there. I mean, mostly from McConaughey. He had several scenes where he's talking to the um, the two the detectives, d- the two detectives. And yeah. I, just, I just like s- sat there with my jaw on the floor. Just contemplating life, and you know, you get the great, you get the great line from Marty. You know, man's game charges a man's price, and I had heard that before. I never knew what it was from. I bought Trevor that shirt. Did you see that? I don't I think it was that's wearing... probably where I've yeah, seen it from. Like, <laughs> yes, but that that uh, that show. If we're doing, you know, just a ten star rating, that is a ten out of ten. I would highly recommend um, getting an HBO Max membership. Just. Strictly just to check that out if you wanted to. It's incredible. The best single season of television I have ever watched. Kudos to you, Stephen. I bow. I'm glad you I'm glad you got you know, got the chance to check it out because yeah, it's uh And I will say kudos to Trevor Douglas as well because he was also on me about this and you know, I know you guys were very tight when it comes to this uh, we this just, episode. This yeah, show. So. <laughs> super geeks about it and yeah. Every it doesn't matter. If I've watched it last week, I could pop it on again and watch it and still those emotional yeah. moments on the ending of that show. I'm really so ready to watch it again. Yeah. No, that guy, the guy who directed that first season, he, the head guy behind that, he's going to do, well, has done No Time to Die. So I'm real, because he did Maniac, which was, you know, well, Jonah Hill and Emma. Emma Roberts, it? Emma Russell, um, oh, Emma Stone. It? Emma Stone. And, like, that didn't get the quite the reaction, obviously, that a uh, true detective did. So, like, he's a visionary director, as it is. But um, real, real worried that it's going to be old. I mean, I, I like a dark James Bond, obviously. But I'm, like, really hoping it doesn't take the uh, true detective dark James Bond. Well, if you ever get it. Shut your... <laughs> you know, <clears throat> uh, I, I'm not happy with that, okay? I, I've waited, what, almost two years at this point. Yeah. Well, I, I was assuming to have probably a rated R rating. So, I mean, when Brady turns 17, I can finally take him to go see it. They're, they're never going to have an R-rated James Bond. We'll see. Well, <laughs> great watch, man. I'm obviously on board with that. So, anything else? No, I just, just once again, you know, I, I'm man enough to admit when I'm wrong. And well, it takes the wrong. cake. It just hadn't hadn't uh, explored that area of the woods yet. Mm-hmm. That's all. It's no Sopranos, but it's very good. And that's a that's another one that I'm I'm planning on diving into because Brando's on HBO Max as well. That's the next show I'm going to check out. Yeah. Um. As soon as I'm done with Falcon. Yeah. 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 Right on. We got Steve. So, I kind of mentioned it last week, but for let's see, the past couple of weeks we've had Panic Fest going on, which is a horror thriller sci fi festival that goes on here in Kansas City at our very own Screenland Armor each year. Um, normally it's in January, but due to all the crazy COVID stuff, it got pushed back this year to the spring. And I've been sort of on a tear trying to get, catch as many of these as I can. It's been, you know, obviously a busy month. So, um, you don't say didn't get a chance to catch all of the films, but I caught a good chunk. Um, let's talk about two of my favorites. First off is vicious fun. Um, this is a fun take on like a 1980s type of uh, slasher story, I guess, but it's it's not what you expect. You've got uh, a 1980s uh, film critic who is pretty pretty rough around the edges. He's hard on these uh, 
hard on these movies, and it's a, it's kind of funny. You just get right out of the gate, you catch him doing a, a review, and he's just slamming this movie. And um, we follow his story as he ends up. He's got a love interest, and he's trying to kind of figure out how to land the plane there. He's not. He's kind of striking out with her, and one night he goes to the bar to kind of put uh, put down a few drinks to forget about it, and ends up inadvertently landing in a. Um, it's like a support group for serial killers. And and it's not really like a recovery group. It's just like they talk about their kills and they like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. And they have like the, the tropes in there. Like you have like a guy that goes after like, you know, babysitters and you can't, and he's like this built dude, kind of looks a little oh, bit the, like Kane like Hunter. Like, yeah. Yeah. And um, I mean, really good performance. It's a lot of fun. Neons are in there. You get all these different, you get this 80s. <laughs> Can't go an episode without the neons. <laughs> a total 80s. And there's a lot going on right now. And maybe I just, you know, it's it's me noticing it more and more as I see more and more. But there's a lot of movies coming out right now where they drench them in these lights. And so. Getting back to that 90s feel, baby. Yeah, yeah. And um, it, it's a it's a great movie. It's a lot of fun. You've got, it's really good performances all the way out. Like the lead serial killer, I guess you call him. His name's Bob. Um outstanding performance by Ari Millen and he is a creep to watch <laughs> the whole time. He's just a sleazeball. Um, slick black blonde hair. Got the jacket, uh, the white jacket, I think. And it looks, it looks real creepy. Um, Was this a feature or a short? Feature. Okay. Yeah, a lot of fun. This uh, so vicious, vicious fun. A lot of vicious fun. It, when you were uh, describing it, I don't know if it was you or Mr. Teed over here that we were watching a you know a short film showcase. It might have been at Panic or it might have been at one of the uh, shout out Scary Gary and Jill when yeah. they were still doing their thing. Remember the one we saw that was it was a sport group, but it was for vampires. That was the big twist. Yeah, was that with you? That was a short at Panic. That was a short. Yeah, because you didn't. It was a late entry, and it was I think it was local, and I remember that because I voted for that. That was money. I loved that. Yeah. Thing. Because it hit like you thought, like they, there was a great speech and like a the, like a monologue, I guess, about how he's dealing with this stuff. And you think it's like AA or something, yeah. that, and he just drops the hat at the end, where it's like this bomb on the audience, where they're all fucking vampires. It yeah. was great. I got to figure out what that was because I'd really like to watch that again as like a kind of a a tome on how to do an effective short film. That was really good. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and that's another thing too. They had five blocks this year um, of shorts, and I watched all of those. It was it was a big year for shorts. A lot of really good ones. And my next, I, I won't go into all those because we just maybe maybe we'll talk about them on a on a separate uh, separate endeavor. But second movie that I wanted to talk about was my <laughs> favorite movie of the fest. Actually, it is called The Last Matinee. Um, it's from Uruguay, <laughs> and Man, it was, it's an absolute blast. I think like, the actual title might have, like the first title might have been Red Screening, which I do think is a better title. I like that a lot. Um, this thing is total, like there's so much homage to like Jalo and 80s slasher in this movie. And it's, it takes place in like this old, just cinema. And it's from the get go, man, you've got like all these awesome set pieces and they, they do such a great job photographing some of these like run of the mill things that you go and you take for granted in the theater. And then it's like, man, you just you, you instantly wish you were sitting. Well, you wish you were sitting there for the movie. But then what happens in this movie? You don't want to be in the theater. This basically very rainy day, drippy, gross outside. And you have like you meet your killer very early. Um, you, you, it's obvious he's up to no good and he walks into the theater with a bag and 
from there we have it's it's like a like a matinee showing with like maybe like what five six people in the theater and then you have the projectionist who kind of he's getting older and his daughter comes in and she's kind of on his ass about how he doesn't take a day off and she's busting his shop. She's like, you need to get out of here. I already called you a taxi, Dad. And he's like, well, what are you? who's going to run the projector? And she's like, I know how to do this. And she kind of steps into the role, and, and he's like, all right, fine. And he, he kind of laughs, and, and he jets. Well, <clears throat> she starts the movie, and she's trying to study, and, and let it. she's doing her schoolwork, and the movie's running, and we're kind of bouncing back and forth between her and the people watching the movie. It's funny, like one of my favorite characters is this little kid. Like After the movie, you got the uh, like one of the ushers comes in with the flashlight, and he's kicking people out. And uh, these three kids are sitting there, like trying to like eat their candy and hide. And they're like, "All right, kids, out of here, out of here." And one kid like hides underneath the chairs. And he, after all the kids get out, like you see him poke up, and he's like snuck into this like movie. Uh-huh. He's way too young to be watching. It's like a Frankenstein movie, which like br- I can't uh, can't remember which Frankenstein film it is, but it's brutal, man. And um, anyway, yeah, you get like some of the crazy. I-, I loved all the kills in this movie. They, I mean, he's got this little, like, stiletto knife, so it's very, yeah, you got, like, I think opera is one of the posters on the wall. Very giallo, like, a lot of stuff going on that's, like, in that vein, but also kind of in-your-face, like, 80s um, slasher kills that are just kind of, like, over-the-top and fun. Like, there's one in particular, you're talking about cigarette smoke, and this guy's, like, puffing on a cigarette, homeboy comes up behind him, gives him one across the neck with this stiletto knife, and the smoke's coming out oh, of his throat. And it was one of the coolest kills of the movie. And and the whole time it's just, you know, he's hunting these folks down. And the way that this thing ends, like his whole shtick as a killer, I won't ruin that. But it lit, I mean, there, it was kind of one of those moments where it made my stomach kind of flip. It was gross. You know, you kind of want to pull away from the screen, but you can't. It's disgusting. And this guy, this guy kills it as the, as the maniac in this theater. And... Great, great time. A lot of fun. My, like I said, it is a lot of what I loved about this movie. I just owe to the fact that I love the theater and I'm just sort of like in the element as soon as it kicks off. But that's not to take away from the execution of the movie. The last matinee is, I think, the, the title that it's under. Red screening, you might find it. I think it's. I looked in, it up, and I couldn't find it on I, on IMDb under last matinee. So I'll try to find it or something else. Yeah. So what, what is it like uh, cinema paradiso with blood? That's what I yeah, yeah I've heard that it's like very and it is. I mean, it's like that old like just very very cool old theater. And um, I don't know, man, I, I just I got to touch too on the kids that come in. You got these like three teenagers that are drunk outside drinking a a, a pint of vodka, and they're all. This is one guy who saw this girl on the bus who looks like Brooke Shields, he says, and he's trying to, and she just happens to wander into the theater, and he's like, holy shit, that's the girl from the bus, and he's trying to get up the cojones to go down and talk to her, and and the kids are really good. Like, they're really fun to watch, and they're hilarious, man, and the, the, the girl in particular, she kept cracking me up with her, like, little sarcastic remarks, and yeah, it's it's a great time. Uh, it is under red screening on IMDb, so okay. I don't know when these like the th- the festival closes out today, <laughs> unfortunately. But keep an eye out for these coming out. I don't know um, the IFC Midnight's. Keep an eye on Bloody Disgusting Shutter. I don't know where these are going to stream yet, but if I can find out, I'll say in a later episode. But I will definitely as soon as we can get a physical copy of this. It's going on the shelf. An absolute <laughs> good time, and uh, yeah, easily my favorite film of the fest. I love it. I can't wait for you to own it. I want to see this thing. It's good stuff. Man. I want to see it. So we're going to land this plane. Um, episode 15. We really appreciate um, all the listens that you guys give. We really appreciate the submissions for these questions. Um, keep them coming. Um, let us know how you liked us pushing our segment of you know the watches of the week to the end, if you prefer it at the beginning 
or even if um you know we've kind of discussed maybe releasing them as a mini episode on a on a separate day of the week so um you know if you want more meat instead of the instead of the potato so to speak <laughs> um again just let us know and we really appreciate you guys Absolutely. As far as, um, you know, reaching out and, and telling us what you think, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, uh, at Dirtbag Cinema. If you want to send us an email, it's at the Dirtbag Cinema because a real true dirtbag has, for some reason, <laughs> stolen Dirtbag Cinema. I gotta find this rat bastard, man. It's really, uh. I, f- I feel like we were niche enough to. To be safe there, but I guess not. I thought so too. But I mean, how pissed would you be if it's you wake up one day and you're no longer the dirtbag cinema? And somebody else has taken <laughs> the definitive. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck that guy. It's probably Franklin. <laughs> it's Franklin, dirtbag. All right. Well, if we haven't, if we don't have anything else, we'll see you at the cinema dirtbags. bags. <laughs>